Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. Do you know what the most well-known scripture verse in the world is? And I mean even well-known by non-Christians. I'm going to give you a hint. You will typically see a sign of this scripture verse held above the head of some fans at sporting events, and you might even see it on the bottom of shopping bags if you shop at Forever 21. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Man, love, that is a key element in John's gospel. His gospel and his letters are just steeped in love. And this is so obviously a man who loved and accepted the love of the Lord so deeply. I mean, clearly he was called the beloved disciple, right? Now, an interesting fact here is that he uses the word love 57 times in his gospel, and that's more than all of the other gospels combined. Now, since I've been camping out in John's gospel since the beginning of Lent, I've just been swept up in this love, and it's brought me to my topic today. Now, I have an affinity for different titles for Christ and even for Mary, so much so that I keep a running list of titles used to describe Jesus or titles used to address him. Things like Helmsman and the Rider or Wisdom's Prince. And I usually find these more lofty and eccentric titles for Jesus in prayers that were written by early Christians, the early fathers, and religious, and also in Byzantine hymns or liturgical text. They're just chocked full of all of this wonderful imagery to explain and depict Christ as well as Mary. Anyways, my point is that I tend to overlook the more common titles for Christ, things like the Good Shepherd, And I think I've been a little bit of a snob here. I'm going to admit that. It's like, I only want these rare antique titles for Jesus. Thank you very much. You can keep all of your commonplace ones. I really need to get over that. Because in John's gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd and says that a good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. Now, tying this into John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son right, who willingly came and laid down his life for us because that is what he says a good shepherd will do. And this brought about our salvation. Yes, yes, emphatically yes. But it also should have taught us something, something so fundamental that I think we easily overlook it or we qualify it or we excuse it um, by just trying to make this scripture passage only having to do with, you know, certain areas of our life. But this brings us back to the heart of John's gospel, pun intended, love. Jesus is performing some divine multitasking here, right? He's bringing about the salvation of the world, and he's also teaching us how to love in the process. Because not long after, Jesus goes on to tell us what the new commandment is. And you guessed it. It's about love. 
In John chapter 13, the Lord says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Did you catch that last part there? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Yeah, when I read that, oh man, let me tell you, I felt horrible. And like all of this that I'm telling you about, this this is all surfacing in my prayer, right? In my prayer time. You know, at first I'm meditating on John 3.16 and I'm like, Sister Maria from The Sound of Music running across this grassy knoll, singing The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music, right? I'm just full of all of this elation and love of Christ. And then, you know, I move on to The Good Shepherd, where I feel like I think maybe a lot of Oscar winners must feel, um, you know, because they get up on stage and they're just so full of gratitude that they just want to thank everyone and everything that they've ever met or encountered. And they give this long, the longest acceptance speech while the music plays and gets louder and louder because they're trying to get them off the stage, right? Because they're just bursting with gratitude, right? Like that's where I was at in my prayer. And then it all comes to a screeching halt when I read, by this, they will know that you are my disciples. I felt kind of like the Karate Kid, Daniel's son himself, you know, when he's made it all the way to the end of his big tournament in the first movie, right? And it's just him and his arch nemesis, Johnny, and they're in the ring fighting for the title. When Johnny cheats, right? And he wrecks Daniel's ankle, and then, like, he's just flooded with disappointment. He thinks that's it, it's over. You know, it's just everything's been for naught, right? And he's just has this perceived defeat, right? That's where I was in this moment. And can I just say that, yeah, that was quite a bit of an emotional roller coaster that I went through <laughs> during my time of prayer. And this better not be a spoiler for anyone. We all know that Daniel's the comeback kid, right? He dominated with his special crane technique in the end, winning the tournament. And so will I, because I have my own crane maneuver, and I'm about to tell you about it in a minute here. So, I fail at love all the time, and you've probably heard me say this before. And sometimes it's because some people are just harder for me to love than others, and I'm just going to keep it real. Hopefully one day that is not the case, ever. But for now it is. And it's actually that most of the time for me, it's hard for me to get beyond myself and my preferences and my, you know, what I want to prioritize someone else. Like I don't take that second to stop and think about the other person. And both of these reasons are very common, and that's why I'm bringing them up. And in fact, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI wrote his first encyclical on love, Deus Caritas Est, which is translated to God is love. Right now, all out of all of the things that this celebrated scholar could have written about, he chose love. And it's for this very reason, because we're supposed to do it, but we have trouble doing it. And what he says is, today the term love has become one of the most frequently used and misunderstood words, a word to which we attach quite different meanings. Preach it, Benny, 16, preach it. 
right? He clarifies in his document by explaining the difference between two Greek words for love, eros and agape. Now, eros is commonly referred to as worldly love. Agape is a love that is shaped by faith, by the faith. Now, eros is a love that pursues pleasure for itself. It's self-seeking, and it's always looking to find its own advantage in any relationship. Whereas agape is a sacrificial love that, that selflessly seeks the good of the other person. And Pope Benedict XVI says that eros is that love that is neither planned nor willed, but somehow it's always there imposing itself on human beings. And I kind of paraphrase that a little bit. But agape, agape takes effort, commitment to another person, and takes self-denial. And as it pertains to agape, Benedict says, love now becomes concern and care for the other. No longer is it self-seeking, a sinking in the intoxication of happiness. Instead, it seeks the good of the beloved. It is ready and even willing for sacrifice. And just to clarify, he is not saying that Eros is bad in, in itself, but that Eros should and can be healed by agape. And that self-centered characteristic of Eros is healed the more that agape is practiced in our life and in our relationships. And that's it, folks. Agape. That's my karate kid crane technique right there. So agape sounds pretty great, in my opinion, and I could sit and think about it for days, just rolling it over and over in my mind in my free time, and honestly, probably never get tired of it. But that's not what it's for, right? We're not supposed to just ponder it. We're supposed to live it. And like most things in our faith, there's a little bit of a caveat. We can't live out agape on our own. We must first receive this love from Jesus. And the measure in which we spend time with Jesus receiving his love is the measure to which we're able to give that love. And to do this, the Holy Spirit has given me a crackerjack box idea, if I do say so myself, with the five love languages. You may have heard of these, and it might sound a little bit hokey to you, but stay with me. So there are five love languages, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and gifts. Now, one or more of these are the way in which you naturally receive and feel love um, the most, right? But the way that you receive love is not necessarily always the way that you give love. So it's important to know how you receive love as well as how you give love to others. And it dawned on me that no matter which love language is your primary way of receiving love, the Lord has made sure that the church has everything that you need, right? It is of the utmost importance to Jesus that you receive the buckets and buckets of love that he is trying to give to you every day, all day, right? And I'm being totally serious right now. So here are some examples of the five love languages available to you today through the church. Okay, so physical touch. Jesus is really present in the Eucharist, right? Body, blood, soul, and divinity really present, and we can touch him. So if you are a physical touch love languager, 
Go to Mass more than just once a week. Receive the body and or blood of Jesus Christ as often as possible. You can physically touch him and he can physically touch you. Words of affirmation. If that's your love language, hello, open up the word of God. Read your Bible more, right? Through the scriptures, spend more time there, especially all of the scriptures that talk about who you are to the Lord, that affirm how much he loves you, that affirm, you know, that he has come into the world to save you, that affirm that you are a child of God. Now, quality time. I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. Go to adoration. Jesus is hanging out in all the tabernacles around the world waiting for you to show up and spend some time with him right? And when you do that, if you are a quality time, love language person, you are going to feel so, I mean, obviously adoration is beneficial for everyone, but you're going to have that love language satisfied in your relationship with the Lord. Then when it comes to acts of service, two ways that this can happen. One is through meditation, right? You can meditate on the Lord and how he has served you in your life through you know, his passion and his death, right, for your salvation, or even how he has instituted the sacraments for you to be able to be closer to him and to grow in holiness, right? There's a lot of things that you can meditate on, but you can also encounter Christ in others. When people are serving you, you can see Christ in them serving you. And then lastly, gifts. We have been given the gift of adoption into the family of God, right? This is like an amazing gift. We've also been given gifts of the Holy Spirit at our baptism. And I'm not even getting close to all of the many blessings and many gifts that we're given all day long that we might not even notice from God, right? You can meditate on those and practice an attitude of gratitude, right? But no, like, I'm serious. My mom used to have me do this when I was little, is to say prayers of thanksgiving. You can count your blessings, like everything that you think of that is a blessing to you. Thank the Lord for it, right? Those are gifts from God, all of them. Now, you can find out what your love language is uh, if you go to their website, fivelovelanguages.com, and it's the number five. If you go there, you take a short quiz. It's probably about 20 minutes. To me, that's short. I don't know. It's up to you. I thought it was fun, and I've done it more than once in my life. It's free, but you do have to give them your email address so that they can send you your results. But that's kind of the way every website is now. You have to give them your email address. Oh, and let me say, this is not just for dating or like romantic love. Like when you take this test, it will tell you your love language in general. And that has to do also with, you know, your friends and your family. Yeah, it's not just romantic. I want to clarify that. Okay, now I'm totally, totally serious about this. I really think that you guys should go out and take this quiz at fivelovelanguages.com. And it might seem a little crazy to you, but in my opinion, the most ingenious ideas always do. So apply your receiving love language to your time with Jesus. Once you know what it is and you, you know, you'll read about it, learn more about it, apply that to your time with Jesus. And also, I've been matching up the people in my life with their love language, running around after them, trying to get them to take this quiz. And I've actually been doing it for years. 
um, because I want to know how I can best love them and serve them according to how they like to receive love. And it's a brilliant idea, if I must say so myself, but I will tell you it is not easy because I've learned that some love languages are harder for me to give than others. But because I love these people in my life, I really make it a point to use that love language with them. And because it's Lent, this is a new, um, not a new, it's a renewed idea that I'm having. And I'm really trying to put love languages to the people in my life and making that like the forefront of my interaction with them. And I'm kind of combining this with my almsgiving um, activities this Lent because yeah, we can give alms to strangers that we don't know. That's great. That's very fruitful. But Mother Teresa did say, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And that's actually really hard, you know, because they're the people that you know so well and you know their idiosyncrasies and, and they have the things that just kind of like grate on your nerves um, because you know them so well, right? And so that's what I'm trying to do. And not just with my family, but with my friends and my close circle of um uh, acquaintances, and even the people that I work with here at Catholic Answers. And I'm going to let you know how it goes for me this Lent. So if you want to get my updates on this or anything else that I share, go to Instagram at Clumsy Theosis and follow me there because I'll be sharing stuff there. Also subscribe to Clumsy Theosis podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'm available almost everywhere. And set your notifications so that you can get alerts on your app when a new episode comes out, right? This way you won't miss any of my cuckoo Holy Spirit inspired ideas or insights. And the theology and apologetics information, it's not too bad either, if I must say so myself. Anyways, I'm having too much fun in here. Have a great week, everyone. Let me know what your love languages are, and I will talk to you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.